0: requests for healing, requests for salvation, requests for deliverance and provision and restoration. You are our answer, whatever we face, whatever situation that arises. You are the answer to everything. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we continue to put our hope and our faith and our trust and our confidence in You, the Almighty God, who is able to save to the uttermost, who is able to deliver, who is able to heal everything, who is able to restore and to provide all our needs. Thank you, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would be loosed in this place this evening. That all of your heart, all of your will would be manifest in this place today. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. That you would anoint your servant with power and with great authority to minister, to bless, to preach, and to teach with boldness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Whatsoever saith the Lord our God. We will receive that word tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. We give you all the worship and we give you all the praise. It is you that sits upon the throne all by yourself. Hallelujah. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this evening. Amen. I am not preaching tonight. Sister Rudy is going to be ministering the Word of the Lord to us tonight. Amen. Uh, And I'm excited. I'm excited because God is here. I'm excited because His Word is going to go forth. Praise God. And if you'll receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter who's standing up here. Not really. If they're full of the Holy Ghost... They're baptized in Jesus' name. That's all God needs is someone available. Praise God. It's God that does the work. It's God that we're expecting to do a work here tonight. And He will use whosoever will. I appreciate Sister Rudy. I appreciate her faithfulness and her servant's heart. Amen. Would you come tonight, please? God bless you.
1: And the Lord bless you. And what Brother Becker said is so true. It doesn't matter who's here, who's up here speaking. It just matters that the Lord is speaking. And um, the Lord has laid a lot on my heart, and so this might be a continuation because I'm going to take my time with this. I'm not going to rush through it just to get done by 8 o'clock because this is a very, very important thing. We're going to be talking about peace. And the more that I've been studying it, and the Lord has dealt with me about this for many, many years, he's laid it on my heart. It's so important because, you know, as we walk through life, it's like, and it might not be for you, but sometimes it was like a roller coaster for me. And just because you get the Holy Ghost and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you know, you don't have everything that you need. You, You have what you need to begin with. But you grow in his grace and his knowledge. And as you grow, he leads you. He said that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. You know, for anything in life that we have need of, he's given us principles and he's given us patterns that are in his word. And for me, do you like instructions? I don't know, guys usually don't like instructions, but I love instructions. Let me read it first. And how many of you like to cook? It's not my favorite thing to do, but my daughter-in-law and my son, and they love to cook. And they're really good cooks. And they're really good at it. So when they make something yummy, I'm like, okay, well, so what's the recipe? You know, and then I'll ask my daughter-in-law, like, now did you go exactly by that recipe? Because once I make it, then maybe I can change it a little bit. But I just need to know the instructions. So God has not left us. He's given us his word, his instructions. And peace is such a vital thing, especially today. And, you know, I don't watch the news if I happen to hear something, but I did find hear something today that it just happened today that I don't know I just stumbled upon it but in the UK they're really struggling over there and I've known this you know we talk about how much our gas prices are we talk about how much the food has gone up we talk about what is it going to be like housing has gone up what are we going to do but in the UK they're suffering even greater than we are they have their heat turned off for three hours a day There's no exceptions. They tell you the block of time and you're going to be without that. So they decided that February 1st was going to be a strike day. And their police department can't go on strike, but the fire department did the other day. Their teachers are going on. Their government buildings are being shut down. Um, The doctors and nurses are going to strike next week. The teachers are planning on striking again. Because things are so expensive there and their wages have not gone up. And now their government is trying to change the policy so that they don't have unions and they can't strike anymore. So in all this chaos that's going around us, it is especially important now to know how to have peace, to maintain that peace. Because if you can't read the writing on the wall, it's there. I don't have to worry about the gas prices, the food prices, the housing, because I have a Father in heaven who loves me and is taking care of me. And, you know, I've heard Brother Becker over and over say, you need to know who you are in God. And that is so true because sometimes we filter who God is through our eyes, through people we know, through our circumstances and our situations but if we really knew if we really knew who God was and that he desires good for us he's given what jesus had he's given that to us all the power that jesus had and more we have but we'll never use it we'll never be able to get to that point until we realize what he said is true greater things than these are you going to do there's going to be a great revival And he's going to use anybody that's willing to be used. But if we have fear, if we don't have peace, we're not going to be able to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. So, talking about peace, the first verse I'm going to go to is Psalms 34, 14. It says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, for years, I've heard about peace. But how do you get peace? I mean, if everything's good, I have peace. Everything's going my way, I have peace. But sometimes I have agitations. I remember listening to Terry he did. He spoke at the camp this year, at Wisconsin camp, and he gave such a good illustration about he was praying, Lord, I want to be able, whatever comes my way, when tribulations come my way, I want to be able to stand firm for you. And he was talking about how one day he was going to go to the airport or he needed to rent a car, and that's where it was, and he was running late, and his wife had to drop him off, and she was running late, and they get to the place where he's going to rent the car, and, and the car is really small, and he's throwing his stuff in the car, and the Lord reminded him, you don't have peace. Because the Lord had spoken to him about peace. He's like, how can you be ready for the tribulation? How can you be willing to face what's coming ahead if the little things agitate you? If you get upset by the little things. And he said, you know, Paul, he, he would be grateful. And as I was going through this study, because there's so much about peace, um, I began to think about Paul wrote a lot about peace. I guess I really didn't realize how much he wrote about peace. In Romans, he wrote 11 times he spoke about peace. First Corinthians, 5 times he spoke about peace. Second Corinthians, 2 times he spoke about peace. Galatians, 3 times. Ephesians, 7 times. Philippians three times, Colossians three times, 1 Thessalonians four times, 2 Thessalonians two times, 1 Timothy one, 2 Timothy two times, and Titus one time. Sometimes it was just like, may the God of peace be with you. But he talked a lot about peace and how to get that peace, how we accomplish that. You know, because. It's easy to have peace, and then something kind of shakes, the wind blows a little bit, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm agitated. You know, that really bugged me. Those people that are driving really, they bugged me. Why are you passing me? It's snowing out. You're going to end up in the ditch, and I'm not going fast enough for you, and okay, you know, those things that you don't think about, and all of a sudden you're like, well, why am I carrying that? That's upsetting my peace, They might end up in the ditch. So what? Let them pass me. Or something that really agitates me, and I'm sorry to say it, but when I'm in the grocery store, I just want to get in and out. And there are people that are probably older than me, if you can believe it, in that store. And you know what? Physically, they can't move fast. They can't. And I try to remind myself, and they block their cart in the middle, and you can't really get by them, and you don't want to say excuse me because you know they're looking for something. and, And I'm just like, okay, God, I got time. I got time. I can be peaceful about this. I don't need that little agitation. But what do you do when you're like the disciples, and you're on the Sea of Galilee, and you've just come from the shore? And Jesus has healed people, and he's ministered to people, and he's fed people. And you're in that sea that you've been on so many times, but the wind and the waves are blowing. And it's filling up the boat, and Jesus is sleeping. And you know, because you're a seasoned sailor, that this is not the regular storm, and that you are going to wake up Jesus and say, don't you care, we're going to perish And he says, peace be still. And they're saying to themselves, what kind of man is this? They hadn't gotten it yet who Jesus was. And then they're at the other shore. He's trying to take him from this shore to that shore. And for them to understand that there can be peace even when your world is rocked. Even when something hits you and you didn't know it was coming your way. How can we have peace? So, we're going to talk about that. We're going to go to Philippians 4 6 through 9. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So this is Paul speaking to the Philippines. And I memorized that verse above it. But you know what? It took not too long ago I read the verse beneath it. And I thought, okay. Paul's saying, follow me as I followed Christ. Now, of all people, for Paul to be speaking on peace, and we know the story, but I just want to go over it again, he suffered many things. The disciples went through hardships and troubles. They did not have it easy, and I don't know why we think that we're going to have it easy. And, I, I, and some of it is just because we live in America and we have had it easy. We've had, This is a land of plenty. You know, this is a land of opportunity. He has blessed us. And because of that, we've gotten soft and we think, you know, when something comes our way, well, I don't deserve that. You know, why is that happening to me? Why trials and tribulations? What? But we know that Paul, five times, he bore 40 stripes, save one. Five times. I don't think I could do it one time. He was stoned one time. He sh- suffered shipwreck three times. He was in the deep, the night and the day. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was in peril in his journeys, in perils of water, in perils of robbers. He was cold, he was hungry. I don't think I've even done a little bit of that. And I'll tell you what, those beatings—that that is not my cup of tea. That's not where I want to go. Some of us suffer physically, and some of us, we have other sufferings. But how do you find peace in all of that? Well, the first thing that Paul said was, he said, the things that we think. He talks so much about our mind. Why is it so important that we just don't let everything run through our minds. Why is it so important what comes into and out of our eyes, girls? Why is it so important what we read and what we see? Why is that so important? I'll tell you why it's important. Because it affects you. It affects how you feel. And as as Jeff Arnold said, The things that you think create pictures, and pictures create feelings, and feelings create actions, and actions create our destiny. So it is important what we hear. It is important what we see. Our minds need to be guarded. Our eyes need to be guarded. Our ears, yes, you can't hear his voice if you're listening to all this other stuff, because it goes to the heart. And you know what the heart is? The heart is the seed of emotion. And Brother Becker always says it. But you know what, ladies? We can't help it. Sometimes we're moved by those emotions. And we are emotional people, all of us. And we do get emotional about stuff. But we have to be careful about what we think. What things are true. You know, I was reading... Not too long ago, about um, in 1959, and I didn't know this, but in 1959, they had a cranberry scare because some of the cranberries had um, this herbicide on it, this pesticide on it, not all of them, but some of them that could be harmful to people. And really, how much would you have had to eat because they just happened to cause tumors in rats? So that year... Between November and December, they said people shouldn't eat cranberries. It was a $5 billion industry, and that year it went flat because people were so scared to eat cranberries. They replaced cranberries with applesauce. Now, was it true that, yes, some of those cranberries weren't good to eat, but how much would you truly have had to eat in order to be poisoned? It just takes one word. So we have to know what's true. What are we thinking? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Does it have virtue? Is there any praise? We really have to check ourselves when we're thinking about things. Because our minds, what does it talk about the mind? In Psalm sixteen, verse three, what does it say? But to the saints that are in the earth and to the to the excellency in whom is all the delight. Uh, I don't have that. Maybe it was Proverbs. But anyway, it says, Commit thy whole thy thy works and thy thoughts to God our works, our thoughts, we need to commit them to God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And you're wondering, well, what does this have to do with peace? This has to do with peace because we need to train ourselves. Because whatever you're thinking is affecting your emotions. And some of that stuff is not true. So we have to keep our mind on God. We have to know what his word says. We have to follow after his patterns and his principles. He didn't say he said he wouldn't leave us, he wouldn't forsake us. We have to know what the Word of God says so that we can meditate upon it, so that we can grow in His grace and His knowledge. Second Corinthians three through five says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. These are Paul's words. We need to bring every thought into God's obedience. You know, Satan, he's going to buffet us. How does he affect us? He comes against us in one of two ways. Either he uses people or mostly he uses fear. On truth, you know, we, we heard about the diesel shor- shortage right before Thanksgiving. What? We only had enough diesel fuel for one more week. What we were going to do, there weren't going to be any truckers. Was that true? Well, partial, part of it was true. But not. They, they didn't They they weren't running out of diesel fuel. We were still going to have trucks on the road. It's a way to generate fear. So if we're thinking on these things, if we're taking everything that everybody says for gospel, it affects our peace because people were saying, I'm telling you, I heard it from more than one person. What are we going to do? We're going to be out of diesel fuel. What are we going to do? God's got it. And not everything they say is true. And sometimes it's just to deflect. To get our eyes off God, to get our eyes on what is unimportant, to bring fear to us. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians six. Let's talk about the armor of God a little bit. and I don't know if I put this down, but we really need to put the whole armor of God on. Every piece of it is so important. So Ephesians 6, and we're going to go to verse, let's see. Let's go to verse 10. Finally, brethren, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, when you pray on the armor of God, I pray it on every single day because our mind is a gateway, our eyes are a gateway, What we see, what we feel, what we hear, it's a gateway. And that's what Paul talked about. He talked about what you're thinking upon. When we put on the breastplate, we're guarding our heart against what we hear. You know, if our heart is troubling us, we just are not going to have peace. When we have the truth, the Word of God is our truth. When we're girt about with that when our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that everywhere you walk, you're going to bring that peace because people are looking for that peace. This world needs what we have. If you have peace, if you have confidence, they're going to want to know why. How come you're not being shaken? How come you're not upset about all the politics that are going on? Why is that not affecting you? Because I've got my armor on. We need to take the shield of faith. We're going to quench all those fiery darts. We need to have that sword, the word of God, so that we can speak to others, that we have a word in season and out of season. It's so important. This, These things, these weapons can help bring peace to you. If we rely on God, if we wait on God, if we seek his knowledge, if we seek his word, if when things are coming against us and we say, Lord, why am I being troubled? I'm not going to be troubled. I got your peace. You've got my back. He's got our back. He loves us more than anybody else. He has a desire for to use you. Every single one of us he wants to use for his kingdom. We are special in his sight. We are the ones that have the words of truth, of everlasting life. But if we don't have peace, if we can't walk in peace and confidence, if we're being shaken and blown by the wind, then we cannot be what he wants us to be. Romans 12:2 Let's go to Romans 12:2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, ye, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want the perfect will of God to be accomplished in my life. So when I'm walking with him every single day, when things come my way, I'm like, Jesus, I want to be yoked with you. Just like that that little skit we did, I want you to sit on the throne of my life. I want to be yoked with you. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I want you to take over. But when I start becoming troubled and upset and things are affecting me, then it's like I'm pushing him off that chair and saying, No, I don't think you have it. I don't really believe that you have it. I don't believe there's a pond of peace where nothing's ruffling, the, wind, the wind's not even affecting it. I just don't believe it. Many times in life, I think about Nona Freeman, and I think about the things that she went through. And I'm like, God, how does one person, they were so blessed in Africa. They were so used of God. She talked. They, they talked about they would just have prayer lines and they would just stand with their eyes closed, her and her husband, and somebody would just lay their hands on them, on the people, and they would be so weary and tired they would just keep praying, but they wouldn't even look at the people to, to, to even see what God had done for them. And I think, how does one get to that place where they just have that peace and that confidence that they know that if, if I pray, the Lord's going to answer that prayer? You know, even before she got to Africa, um, her and her husband were out riding some horses. They they were out ministering, and they were about ready to go. And uh, they were someplace where this lady had horses, and they had ridden horses before. And so they said, "Oh, you know, is your horse tame?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, my horse is tame. Go out, go ahead, take it out." And so they both got on it. And um, Brother Freeman, he was. In the front, Sister Freeman was behind him hanging on, and they were riding, and all of a sudden something got a hold of that horse, and he was running as fast as he could, and Brother Freeman was saying, just slide off the back, just fall off the back. But Sister Freeman thought, he said, keep hanging on, keep hanging on. So she hung on, and Brother Freeman got off, and the horse ran and knocked her off. He bucked her off, and then he started um, pawing her with his hoofs. And all she could do was just protect her head. She's like, Lord, not my head, not my head. And, um, I don't know if she went unconscious. I don't remember. But, um, finally, Brother Freeman caught up where she was. And she ended up being paralyzed. And she ended up in bed. And, uh, she was just, the horse had just pawed her legs. So they were like raw meat. And, um,. They had been praying and, and she's like, Lord, we were almost on our way to Africa. They had waited so long to get to the place where they were going. And I know that you've you've brought me this far and I don't understand. And so they kept praying for her, that, that the Lord would heal her and nothing was happening and nothing was happening and, and she was just like Lord, I know you have you have chosen us to go to Africa. It's been a long journey. I don't understand the situation. And so one night, Brother Freeman was still ministering in this place, and there was a lady that came and sat with Sister Freeman. She was laying in bed, and she told the lady, she said, "Like, I want you to take my feet, and I want you to put them on the side of the bed, and I want you to lift me up, hold me up, and then I, when I say, I want you to lift me up, and when we do that, we're going to say in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to be healed. And the lady did that she lifted her up and she said in the name of Jesus and Sister Freeman started screaming and she was screaming so loud that it scared the lady and she's like what 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 and she's like oh I can stand I'm not paralyzed anymore but now I can feel my legs they were like mush they were like meat and they were killing they were just so painful well that wasn't the only thing that happened And what my point is, through all of these things that came to them, she still had that peace that God had called them to Africa. And they were still being used. So when they were on the ship on the way, they were on this cargo ship on the way to Africa, they all got sick. And I think they got the whooping cough is what happened. And all of them were sick. So they had five children, and she was very sick. And, you know, and finally they got through that, and they got to Africa. Well, then... They started going through the childhood diseases. They got The kids got the mumps, and they got the measles. And Sister Freeman is, like, so discouraged because she's like, Lord, I could be in America taking care of my ill kids. You know, I, I, I'm not accomplishing anything here. And one day her oldest daughter said, Mom, why don't you just go to a church? Because Fr- Brother Freeman was out traveling, and she said, just go to church. Even if you don't understand what they're saying, Just go and make you feel better, and I'll stay home with the children. So she did. But because she did, they had a baptism service. And she went there, and they baptized. And unbeknownst to her, before she even knew it, she was saying, Lord, teach them how to baptize in the right name, in Jesus' name. Because she could understand that they weren't saying Jesus' name. And she left. Well, because of that, she made a contact, and that minister came and talked to her. And it's it's a whole long story, but he ended up being saved, and his wife ended up being saved and other people because she went. But did you know that Sister Freeman, she was on her deathbed many times. When she was in Africa, she ended up getting leukemia. And the doctor said, there's nothing we can do for you. You're going to die. But the Lord intervened. She had peace through all of this. Her husband had great faith and great peace. When she came back to the United States, she had rheumatoid arthritis. In fact, the doctor said you're going to end up being a cripple. And in like three years, you're going to end up in a wheelchair. And she would play the piano and she would go home at night and her hands would just throb. And she'd wake up weeping with her hands in the air because that's the only way she could get that relief. And every day, she, every time, she would go to church and she would... Ask them to pray for her. They they pray for her. And um, her peace was starting to be robbed from her. And she knew who God was. She knew he was a healer. He had healed her many times. He had healed her husband was in a severe car accident where they thought they would have to remove his arm. And God said, No, but you just bless me, you just praise me. I don't care what the report is. And God took him out of that, and he saved his arm. And her, she had a daughter that was in a severe car accident and her. She had such trauma to her head. And the doctor said, just go home and rest. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing we can do. But the Lord completely healed her. There were so many times where God had blessed and healed and gave them that peace. And But now she had this rheumatoid arthritis. And every day the enemy was coming to her and saying, you're going to be in pain if you play that piano. It's not going to work. And every day you go and get prayed for, you're not going to be healed. And one day, she said, I'm done. I'm done for the enemy robbing my peace. I'm done for the enemy speaking lies to me. So she went to church, and she said, I know that every service I have come and had my hands prayed for. But she said, tonight, I'm coming for my healing. And she got her healing. She was healed. However, the enemy wanted to try her. So it was a few nights later, she woke up with her hands in the air and her fingers were killing her. And she said, "Uh uh-uh, I am healed. You are not robbing this from me. I am healed. She put her hand down and she said, in Jesus' name, and she went to sleep. So no matter what the situations or the circumstances are, we can truly have peace. But it's where our mind travels. It's where our heart goes. It's what we're listening to. It's what we're believing. You know, Paul... He talks so many times about peace. May the God of peace be with you. Why could he speak of peace? Why why was it so important to have peace? You know everything that he suffered, everything that he went through. Jesus was trying to teach his disciples that there was peace. I know I'm in the storm. He we we are in the storm. You've seen what I have done. You've lived with me. You've been with me. You see. That I fed those 5,000. I fed those 4,000. I have healed everybody. I've gone through villages and healed every single person. And now we're on the sea. We've just come back. And you're afraid. And then he takes them to the other shore. And there's a Gadarean who was um, in chains, who was possessed with a legion of devils. And he does the work there. And they leave. Because he's trying to get them to have a different vision. He's trying to get them to have a different understanding. That it doesn't matter what's going on around you. I have told you what I'm going to do. I've told you that I'm going to use you. You can have that peace. Yes, the waves are coming. But wouldn't you rather be in the boat with Jesus than on the sea without him? Wouldn't you rather be with Jesus? Wouldn't you rather have that daily peace with him? Things will come. We will have situations and circumstances. We will be blindsided. But if we will go yoke and yoke with him, because you know what? It just doesn't work. Worrying, it just doesn't work. I can be upset about every single situation. In fact, I remember there was a time where I was just overwhelmed with everything that was going on in my family. And I just remember nail, kneeling down down in front of my nightstand, and I said, Lord, I just can't do this anymore. These are situations and circumstances which I cannot fix. I can't even help in them. My youngest wanted to go into the Army, and I'm not not against it. I love the military, but I didn't want him to go to Afghanistan. I just knew it was a war that would not be won. There were just too many things, and it, it was not for him, and... I even took him to the recruiter's office because he wanted to go. And when they took him out of there, I just told the recruiter, I'm not ignorant. I know what that war is like in Afghanistan. I know what that, what their geography is like. I know what it was like when the Russians were there. I know I wanted to say to him, I know it's a war we're not going to win. But I didn't. And I was just praying, and I'm like, God, I just, I just have to lay it at your feet. And I just have to know. That you're the God that sees all my tomorrows, and you hold my future. So I'm not going to be worried about. I'm not going to pick this up anymore. I'm going to take your yoke, your burdens easy. You are you you. I'm going to learn of you. I'm going to know that you're taking care of it. I don't care what I see or what happens, and every in every situation, in every circumstance, He took care of it in ways that I could not have guessed. In some of those situations, it took years. But every time that the enemy wanted to come and ruffle my feathers, I'd be like, no, I laid it at the feet of Jesus, and I'm not going to be upset about it. And it was after that that the Lord spoke to me, months after that that he spoke to me, and he said, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. I wasn't asking for it. I was just praying and he spoke it like I heard it, like somebody spoke it out loud to me. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, that's a big plateful. But I, we cannot let the enemy rob our peace. That's why it's important what comes into and out of our heart. You know, what what is affecting us? Is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? You know, is it just me being me and being human? you know, I question it's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to say, God, I want to know, is this really from you? Is it just me? Am I just making this up? Am I just feeling, am I feeling the enemy? But when I really have peace, it's like in the core of my being. I can just know in the core of my being. Even tonight, you know, there was some ruffling of some feathers. And I'm like, God, I just need your peace. And it was like, immediately I could feel that core, that peace. Do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Am I still human? I am. Do sometimes I listen to these reports and I think, what are we going to do? Should we be stockpiling? What should we do? You know, what about the money? What about, you know, the gas? You know, what about all of this? And then I'm like, no. Didn't he take care of the Israelites in the wilderness? Didn't he feed them according to the integrity of his heart? Didn't he guide them by the skillfulness of his hand? Was that not an example for us? Isn't everything in this this word, wasn't it an example for us? Did he forsake the disciples? Or did he give them what they needed unto death? He gave them what they needed unto death. They weren't afraid. They had peace in their hearts. And we also can have that peace in our hearts. We can have that pond. Visualize a pond. And what is interrupting that peace? Doesn't it say in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? I'm not going to have to worry about anything. Doesn't it say he leads me to the green pastures? He leads me beside the still waters? That's where the peace is. That's where the calm is. How am I going to get there? I'm going to get there by the things that I'm thinking. I'm going to get there by the emotions that I'm letting run through. I'm going to get there by what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling, what's affecting me. That's how I'm going to get to that pond of peace. If I'm meditating on his word, and I'm if I'm sensitive to what he's speaking to me, if I take the word of God that I hear and I meditate upon it, if I'm believing everything that he says, the good report. You know what happened when Jacob jacob not jacob but when <clears throat> joshua and caleb when they went in when those spies went in they weren't supposed to come home back and say are we going to be able to conquer they were supposed to come back and tell the people what a good land it was that they wouldn't have to build towns they wouldn't have to build cities they wouldn't have to play plant vineyards That God had already all the provisions that they needed. All they needed to do. And the Lord was going to fight their battles. The Lord fights our battles. We don't need to be afraid. All they needed to do was go and conquer. And that's what the Lord is saying to us. He's saying, I have already made provision for you. I have already made a path for you and a walkway. But you just need to be sensitive to my voice. You can have that peace. You don't have to be afraid. And when we are afraid, just go to him. Lord, I don't understand the situation. I am, you know what, this is making me fearful. So first of all, I'm not going to listen to any more of that. And secondly, I'm going to get my eyes on your word. And I'm going to rehearse what you have done. I'm going to rehearse the promises that you have given me. I am going to rehearse that you are my shepherd, that you will take care of me. I'm going to rehearse putting on the armor of God. I'm going to rehearse the words that you speak in my ears. I'm going to rehearse what Paul said. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to study your word. That's how you get to the pond of peace. By believing what he said and not what the enemy says. Not what the news says. Not what the government says. Not what the people that are coming against you say. You need to believe what he said. If he said it, He's going to do it. If it's in this word, he's going to do it. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but his word is solid. It will never pass away. He is the word. He is the word. Isn't that what John said? He's the word. And he cannot lie. So either he's a liar or he's the truth teller. He is the truth teller. We know who the liar is. We do. So when you're walking, wherever you go, whatever is coming against you, I want you to know there is peace. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be ruffled. You know, I have grandchildren. I I have grandchildren in the public school system. I don't like it, but I pray over them. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be upset about it. I need to plead the blood over them. I need to pray that the Lord will do a work within their heart, that godly sorrow will come to them unto repentance. I need to believe that my family is going to be saved. I don't need to be upset about that. I don't need for it to affect what I think or how I feel. It's so easy because I love them and you have loved ones. I pray for your loved ones. I have loved ones that aren't saved, but I'm not afraid. Because I know what my God said. And his promises are true. And if he gave you word, whether it was 45 years ago, whether it was yesterday, it will still happen. You can still have that peace. You can still believe him. Because he said it. And he will do it. And you need to repeat the things that he said to you. You need to go over his word and repeat what he says in his word. Repeat what he did for others. Repeat what he did for the disciples. Repeat it. Believe it. You know, when we pray, should we be surprised that somebody's healed of cancer because we pray for them? I think not. We should expect it. I expect him to heal me when he said, otherwise it was null and void, those stripes on his back. I expect it. I expect him to take care of me. I expect him to do what he said he's going to do. That's why I don't need to be afraid. That's why you can have that peace. Because all of my worrying did not change one situation or one circumstance. And I come from a family, and that is not my heritage, but I come from a family of worriers. My grandfather worried. My mother worried. And and it was just like passed on. But I live with somebody that has so much anxiety, I'm not taking that on. That's not who I am. That is not my heritage. I am not going to live in that anxiety. What is there to be afraid of? We need to grow in his grace and his knowledge. We need to have the confidence that he's doing good things for us. Even when it looks bad, even when we get a bad report, we need to know that whatever comes our way, That God has it under control. He saw it. He knows it. If we allow him to lead us, if we have open hands and let him lead us, he will take care of us and we will have that peace. But our confidence has to be in him. My confidence is not in man. My confidence is in God and him alone because he's worthy, because he's faithful, because he's true. Because he doesn't faint, because he doesn't grow weary, because there is no searching of his understanding. Him and him alone, that's who we need to have our confidence in. That's where our peace can come from. He'll speak to you. Sometimes it's audible, and sometimes it's in his word what you read. Sometimes it's just that peace be still. You know, I, I've talked often that I had a good friend that was passing away of cancer, and her and her husband just felt like <clears throat> God had spoken to them <clears throat> about that she was going to be healed and every time i prayed i just didn't get that and i could see that she was growing worse and worse and um <clears throat> we were like Jonathan and David we were we were just i can't even explain the kind of relationship we had she taught me how to be a mother she was she we were like sisters, but even closer than my sisters. And so it was a hard situation. And I just said, God, I just need to know one way or another, is she going to be healed or are you going to take her? And, you know, if he was going to take her, <coughs> excuse me, I wasn't going to begrudge that because that is our ultimate goal. Heaven is our ultimate goal. I I don't have anything. I do have loved ones here. I don't want to leave them right now. But my goal is heaven. And if he would take me home today, I'm not going to be sad about that. Because he's going to take care of every... I don't need to be here for him to save my family. I don't need to be here for my grandchildren to be saved. So if he wants to take me, amen. So I was just praying, and you know, God doesn't have to do this, but and I don't do this, but I just randomly opened my Bible, and it went to Ecclesiastes, and the verse that came up was, the day of your death is a better than the day of your birth, and I'm like, okay, God, okay, and you know, she did pass a few, a few months later, and at her funeral, I couldn't even leave the gravesite. It was cold, and I just couldn't leave it. I had a peace. I knew where she was. But I knew that, okay, that was going to be it. And I finally did. It was really cold, and I was talking to somebody, and they said, can we just go (laughs) and go to where it's warm? And when we were there, we had some good friends, too, that had moved to um, South Dakota. And I remember Al saying to me, Linda, What are you going to do without Sharon? Because it was just, he's like, that's, you know, you were just like, I don't know what. I can't even explain it. And I said, I don't know. But you know what? I do know. I said, Lord, that night, I said, Jesus, it's just you and me now. I had peace. I didn't get stuck in that. A year after she passed, I said, Lord, I went to the graveside and I said, I can't get stuck here. Because you are my God. You bring peace. You bring joy. You bring everything I need. You'll bring the friend I need when I need it. And he did. Because he's faithful. And he's true. There's nowhere else I can go. If you're struggling. If you don't know what to do. If sometimes you have peace. And you're like this up and down. I'm telling you. If you will put on the armor of God if you will protect your mind and your, your heart and your eyes, if you would just as immediately, if you would just go to him and say, I'm casting it on you, Jesus, you will learn. It will become so easy. It will be like second nature. You will, you will have that peace. If you can, you can put your confidence in him because he will never fail you. Ever, ever, ever will he ever fail you. And there's only one more thing I want to say tonight, and that is, and actually Scott Shelton talked about this, and I was thinking about this before he even talked about it. I was thinking about how God has been with me all my life. You know, my great-grandfather, he was part of the Salvation Army. I never knew him. It was my grandfather's on my mom's side, his his father. And the only reason I even knew that he was in the Salvation Army was because... um, my they used to live in chicago and my grand great grandfather played an instrument and they would play songs and then have street preaching and people would come out of the taverns and the pool halls and my grandfather said he'd be in the pool hall but he would be so embarrassed that he wouldn't go out there because my his father was part of that group and i remember one year when i was Um, taking my kids to the library, I ended up getting a book out about William Booth. I didn't really know anything about the Salvation Army. But I believe that whatever prayers he prayed for my grandfather and his children and his children's children, that that affected my life. When I was three, not quite four, the Lord spoke to me audibly. My grandmother, off and on, we would go to Sunday school and that's how I learned about God and I just remember learning about Jesus and asking him, "Lord, Jesus, do you love me?" And usually I just went right to sleep because I'm a sleeper. Still love sleep, but <laughs> and I heard his voice and there was a light in my room and from that time forward doesn't mean that I understood it all, but from that day forward when I think about the times that God intervened in my life before I even really knew him before I knew about him my life was chaos it was chaos but I can look back and I can see all the times that he was with me and even recently even I'm like "Oh, you were with me like the car accidents that he prevented you know Like Sister Becker was talking the other day, that she knew this car was going to run the red light. It was God that prevented that car accident. All the times, if you will just reflect on your day, how many times God has intervened for you. His peace, his love, his joy. I don't want to be upset about the little things. I don't want that to be a distraction from what he's trying to do. He's trying to get us ready. This year, he's trying to get us ready for what's ahead he's trying to get us ready for the people that are coming for the people that need what we have he's trying to get us ready and prepared not to be upset about what we might see out there because it hasn't happened yet but if you can see the signs and the seasons it may and when it does we can't be shocked we've already been shocked we've been amazed at how quickly Things can change. We're finding out now about all the things that were not true, that they said were true. So when things come, it may not look the same, but you can have that peace. We need to be preparing ourselves and every day to carry that peace with us. Because then you won't have this. You won't have fear. The enemy can't come against you. And you can be mightily used of God. And that's what he wants in Jesus' name.
0: Praise God. Thank you, Sister Rudy. How big is our God? It really depends. Uh, Our peace... Our faith, our confidence in Him really depends on the answer to that question. If we serve a small, little, puny God that can or possibly or might or could, we're not going to have a lot of faith or confidence in that God. If our God can and will, if He's a great big God who can do miracles and signs and wonders, then folks, we don't have to worry about anything. If we read the Word of God and we see the promises that are that are given to us, there is no reason to worry. We do. We do get our eyes off of God and onto circumstance and situation. But we ought not. When we keep our hope and our faith in Him, we can have peace that passes all understanding. That is God's perfect will for all of us never His will for us to worry or fret or doubt or fear or anything like that. Amen. Let's all stand.